change around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. So welcome to our first post-game show. We're going to give this a try. We hope everyone out there that's listening is going to enjoy this. Uh, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants, aren't we, buddy? Yes, I have no idea what we're doing, but uh, we're going to give it a go. I mean, that's how we started the podcast, wasn't it? Like, Yeah, that's true. That is true. Microphone, and we'll go from there. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I was the first one to drop an F-bomb. There we go. <laughs> that's all right. That's uh, all, right. all right, so that was a pretty thrilling end to that game, wasn't it? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, a last-second field goal, which is one of the things that we're always worried about, right? The field goal kicking, but it, it looked pretty good tonight. Tag leader, it's the field goal for the win. So I believe a pretty long field goal. Too. What, what was? I couldn't hear it on the radio broadcast. Was it forty-eight yards? I thought it was thirty-five. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look it okay. up just to make sure, but I thought it was only thirty-five yards. I say only, but it was still okay. a still a last-second field goal. And you know what's funny is just leaving the game. I was like. This is the games we lose. They give up the touchdown with 15 seconds left, and it's like they're not going to win. And it, a bunch of people left the stadium, like just started mm-hmm. walking out. And I was like, guys, you stayed two and a half hours for a preseason game. You can watch the last 15 bloody seconds, can't you? Right. Yeah. Apparently, no. That was too much to ask. Uh, looking here, yeah, 35 yard field goal for the win. Okay. Well, yeah, it's not as long as 48, but still, I'll take it's it. Better than eight. Better than kicking the balls, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's some some stuff to talk about in this game, right, Josh? Like, what what are your main takeaways from this one? Oh, we lost Josh apparently, but um, there's a lot of to talk about in this one. Oh, there you go. There he is. There you go. There we go. There we go. We're back. This is all new to us. Um, so you asked me what my thoughts on the game were. Mm-hmm. It didn't start great. The defense kind of got carved up by Trevor Harris, which was a little concerning for me. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, and it gave me flashbacks to that playoff game where Harris went, you know, 25 of 28. Um, yeah, he, he started off really hot. First two drives, over 100 yards passing and a, and a touchdown pass as well. Yeah, he looked like an all-star against what I thought was what was essentially and I actually I don't even think it was essentially I think it was completely the Ticats starting defense. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone missed any I don't think any of the, any of the start oh no Julian Hauser wasn't out there but I mean losing one defensive end I think shouldn't have made the defense look, look that bad. Like I didn't think they had any pass rush. And the secondary was the was the one that was most concerning to me because we have been talking that secondary up for what seems like months. And mm-hmm. oh boy, that uh, they got cooked. They got completely cooked. Like that opening drive, like you said, Harris had what, 100 and something yards on two drives. 
And the second drive only ended yeah. because he threw a pass a little high and the guy dropped it. It's not like it was a, a knockdown or anything like that. I think the defense settled in after Harris left the game, but they were going up against Dominique Davis and a secondary of five-year-olds and Flummox. Right, Dominic but Dominic Davis didn't look too bad either, though, right? I mean, Dominic Davis came in, I think he was like three for five or something like that. Wasn't he? he looked okay as well. All right. I mean, I did. I started to feel like once Davis came in, the Owls kind of lost their mojo. I I, I feel like Harris, Harris, to me, Harris was just exceptional. And I think everything after right. that was kind of a step. Down. I don't think the other guys were bad, but I, Harris just looked so good against the starters that then everything else kind of just looked everything, – everything else looked better, I think, in comparison. I think I'll say that. Now, do you feel like the um... – where the hash marks are now? Did that, you know, was that uh, something to look at when uh, think, maybe the secondary wasn't used to it and Harris had a field day because of that? Maybe I didn't really notice it making too much of a change. The, the, the big rule change that I saw that came into effect, there were two of them starting the ball at the 40 after a made field goal and 15 yards, no yards on every single punt because the owls themselves right. must have got called for no yards at least three times. The Ticats, I think, got called once or twice. Like, I think that's going to be the bigger than the hash. The hash mark thing didn't – I didn't notice it in any, any sort of, like, major way. I don't, maybe someone else did. If you did, tweet at us, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to what you have to say because I don't think really there was any sort of major changes. But, again, I'm not on the field. I'm not – like, you could, you could see the difference. Like, when looking at the mm-hmm. field, it's like, oh – those lines are a lot closer to the logo than they used to be. I, but I don't necessarily know if it had any sort of major effect on how the teams played. Now the field goal kicking today was pretty darn good. I mean, they went four for four um, with three different guys, but the punting, Josh, the punting was not good at all. We, we have a problem. Uh, if we can't figure out who the punter is going to be going into the season, the punter shouldn't even be on the roster right now. The punting was absolutely atrocious. That might have been the ugliest part of the game. I don't think any of the punters – I think Whitford had one punt that was decent, and all three guys that went out there and punted shanked them, quite frankly. Like, one, there was one punt that they kicked, and the Owls started with the ball inside Hamilton's 40. I mean, I yeah. think was- – Well, there was one punt that, that – it had net five yards, the one punt. Oh, my God. Not five yards. Like, wow, that's really – At that point – Now, I think there was a 15-yard, uh, uh, no no yards penalty on that, but still, that's bad. At that, bad, bad, at that bad. point, just just go for it. Like, again, I, I yeah. obviously, obviously you, you, you can't know that in a situation that the punt is going to net you five yards, but sweet Jesus, that's that's just terrible. Um, Okay, we do – Yeah, I think that was Blake Hayes, actually, yeah. Was it? Okay, so. we have a question here. Yeah. Um, okay. From Dank, which is a great name. Uh, are teams wearing home whites now, or is it just a preseason thing? I this is funny because everyone always I I must have heard three or four people in line be like they're wearing whites at home. They only ever wear one jersey in the preseason. Uh, I think it's probably for cost purposes. Like why why print up a black and a white? So the Owls were in their colored uniforms. They're wearing their blues today. They'll be wearing their blues next week as well. The Titans will just wear their white. So yeah, it's just a preseason thing, as far as I know pretty much just to cut down costs. So offensively, Mike, what did you take from the, let's start with the starters. What, was there anything from the offense that you saw? Or I guess you didn't, I, I, I got to get out of say saw because you didn't actually get to watch the game. You heard the game. 
anything that you heard that kind of gave you good vibes, bad vibes in the middle vibes? Well, I thought that Dane Evans, you know, he went four for five. I listened to the game. It sounded like he, he did pretty well. Um, you know, you said that he thought, you thought he was, uh, you know, he looked very comfortable in the pocket, going through his reads, making the completions. So that gives me comfort. Although we already know that Dane Evans is the man, but, um, you know, I thought that they ran the ball quite a bit and I thought Wes Hills, um, had a pretty good debut for the Tiger Cats. Uh, did you see the same thing? I'm not going to pat myself on the back here, but I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Wes Hills was one of my players to watch on my three down pregame article going into the this preseason game and especially early like uh he had nine or ten carries for under 40 yards so like the per yard average wasn't great but I thought they were feeding the football I thought he had a couple of really good runs some solid runs you know getting hit falling like you know getting extra yards stuff like that uh I think he had maybe had a, a, a decent run or two taken back I did think that he played He played pretty well, and I think he's a guy that could actually be in the mix for a role on this team. I don't think that he'll supplant Don Jackson, obviously, and it, it is always hard to carry two American running backs, but he's in training camp. I saw a lot out of him. There were times when he was running with the number one offense. I don't know if that was to give Jackson Speller, just to give Hills a chance to go with the number ones, but I think the team's really high on him, and I think we saw, especially in the second half, the team utilized the run game more. I think that was to get an idea of what these running backs are capable of. And I think out of all the guys that weren't Don Jackson, I think Wes Hills was the, was the clear standout in the running back group. So what did you think of the offensive line tonight? Did you, did you notice anything? Did you, was the pass protection good? You know, did they open up lanes for the running backs well? Uh, what did you see? I think they were decent uh, with yep. Evans, Evans in there in particular. But I think Evans was just so decisive with his throws that I think he would have masked any sort of problems with the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line got bad until the backups came in. Uh, there was a sack on, I think it was Schultz, where it looked like the defender just absolutely blew by. I think, again, it's hard to tell because you're in the stands, everything's going on, the replays aren't great, we're not going to have video of it, but I think he split Alex Montana and Kay Okafor and just absolutely obliterated Schultz. Um, so that I think that, that was also the one where he Schultz fumbled, and then the fumble got called back mm-hmm. because of a, a illegal contact penalty downfield or something like that. Right. But it was just it was a yeah. it was terrible, like it was terrible pass protection. Like he had absolutely no time. Uh, the only thing from the offensive line that I really took away is the potential injury to Kyle Saxlett. That again, it's hard right. to tell in the in the preseason if he was going to come out anyway, but I believe that happened when he was in with the second unit. I don't know if he was playing one of the tackle positions. I'm not actually sure where he was on the field, but he came up clutching his back. He came off and I don't believe he ever came back on the field. So that's something worth monitoring uh, going throughout the week, heading into this game against Toronto. And then obviously into the regular season, because we know we're down Chris Van Zyl already. And if we were to lose Saxon as well, I think that could be, pretty devastating for the offensive line if Van Zyl's not healthy and ready to go for the start of the regular season. Which we have no idea on, right? Because we nope. haven't heard word what the actual injury is for uh, Van Zyl. And I'll be honest with But you. you're right, that would be a big blow to, you know, that big trade acquisition in the offseason. That would be a big blow to the offensive line. But let's hope 
that, uh, you know, it was just a little tweak of something. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen Van Zyl at McMaster, and he's in shorts and a T-shirt, and he's, like, running and stretching and doing – like, I'm not sure what's wrong with him. To be quite honest, he doesn't look injured. Like, I've seen guys on crutches. I've seen guys with knees wrapped up. I've seen guys hobbling. He looks fine. So I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. what his issue is right now. Yeah, maybe that's just a vet – you know, training camp thing. Maybe he has something a little tweaked, but they're just being precautious with him because, you know, he's getting up there in age and he's had injuries in the past. So, um, you know, we talked about Dane and we talked about Schultz. And, uh, but what did you think of Jalen Morton? Mixed bag for me. Um, he had some really good runs on some broken plays, like the pocket collapsed on him and he, he booted out and he, he had a pretty decent pair of runs. But you know who he reminded me of? Quentin Porter. In that he looked like, and again, I'm I'm no expert. I was just sitting in you know, my seat in section 204. It looked like he would look at his first read, it wouldn't be there, and then he'd he'd get happy. So I wasn't I wasn't unimpressed, but I also wasn't that impressed. And I knew going into the game, having done research on him, because he him and because we kind of we know that the, the quarterback pecking order. Dane's number one, Schultz is number two, and then there's kind of kind of this battle between Morton and and uh, Newman for the, I think it's Newman, for the third spot. And the one thing I noticed when looking up at these guys is that their accuracy wasn't great. There were interceptions, especially by Morton when he was in university and college. And the I believe his accuracy was under 60%. And he, was, and he played at a smaller school. So I was kind of hoping to see that maybe not rear its head in this game. And I don't think he was inaccurate. He took a couple of deep shots that were thrown too far, but I mean, I don't, I don't mind. I'd rather than throw it too far and throw it too short and get it picked off. But I, they, I wasn't, I'm not discouraged. And I would like to see him get more playing time, maybe uh, uh, coming up against the Argos, maybe give a better evaluation of it. I wasn't, I, I would probably give him maybe a C plus, you know, kind of grade for this game. I, I the runs were nice, but he's a quarterback at the end of the day. I want to see him throw the ball. All right. Well, any anything else you uh, took away from this game? Any individual players that you thought maybe stepped up and uh, you know showed what they had? Anthony Johnson impressed me. He only had two catches, but he had a really nice catch and run on the scoring, the first scoring drive. Caught the ball, did the nice old fan two spin, headed up, got some more yards downfield. He's a guy that I was looking forward to seeing because he was inserted into the starting lineup because Tim White wasn't playing today. So I liked what I saw to him. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone else. Uh, it's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but Keandre Smith, the rookie, Pee Wee Smith's son, had a really nice catch that got called back due to a penalty. I think it was uh, an offside or a holding or something. Uh, really early in the second half. Uh, but it was a nice, again, another caught it, did a nice spin, picked up some yards after the catch was really nice. Would have been a, a nice thing to put on the stat sheet. Uh, oh, you know who actually stood out to me? Really high motor guy, uh, the rookie, uh, Federico. Uh, there was there was a play okay. where... There's a play where uh, the I don't they also played four quarterbacks tonight, so I'm not sure which one it was. Kind of booted out, and Federico almost ta- like almost caught up to him and tackled him. So on that one play, and then I kind of started paying attention a little bit more. He's got a really really high motor. Like he's a guy that probably has stamina to spare. So that's that's another guy that kind of stood out to me. You've listened to the game. Was there anyone that kind of stood out to you as you were listening? Well, the, it's not like a guy that has to prove himself or anything, but I thought that Alden Darby had uh, mm-hmm. some big plays in this game. I, I was impressed with him. 
you know, it, it was hard to tell, but, you know, I thought that Jalen Morton sounded like he played pretty well with those runs, but I, I won't look too much into it because of your evaluation. But, uh, you know, it's hard to tell listening on the radio, but, you know, Jamie Newman was the guy that was in that quarterback when uh, when we scored that game-winning drive. I know he was assisted by that uh, big P.I. call, but, you know, I thought he sounded like he played pretty well. Um, but other than that, you know, I'd like to see the game and I don't think the game's being televised next week either. Um, but I'd like to see, you know, how the offensive line is performing, you know, how the defensive line, all that good stuff is uh, better to see than uh, to listen to, right? It's it's tough. It's, so next week our evaluation is going to be a lot tougher because we're both not going to be able to see the game. So we're going to be relying on the radio broadcast to kind of tell us what's what. So it's – see it with my – because, like – I mean, the, the, we have an example tonight. Like, you were, you came into this thinking, oh, man, Morton pretty impressive. And I was like, eh, not so much. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference between seeing that. And, again, maybe people, more people agree with you than agree with me. I don't know. Um, I certainly wasn't overly impressed with how he played. But you can't discount those runs either. Like, he still, when, when things weren't going his way, he still found a way to make some plays. So that's, you know, a, a mark in his ledger, like, uh, as a four for him. So yeah, next week's going to be Now, did you see anything tough. from uh sorry to interrupt you there. Did you see anything from Jake Burt tonight cuz I didn't hear anything uh you know making plays or anything on the radio. Passing game no, but I made note of it in my phone. There was a run by Schilt, a designed run. Burt had the block that kind of sprung him to get the edge and pick up more yards. It was a really really nice block. He didn't get a lot of action in the passing game, which is unfortunate, but uh, I mean, what can you do? You can only, you can only do so much, right? Like if, if he's not out, like he, he was, he was in there like throughout the game. Like he, he wasn't just out there when the starters were out there. He played throughout the entire game, but again, there's, it's hard to, there's only so many, like the team had what, maybe 35, if that throws, like, I don't even think that that many, it might've had under 30. So there's only so many guys that can get involved. So I didn't, didn't see much of him in the passing game, obviously, because I don't even think he had a catch. But that one block was like, oh, okay, so he can he can do this too. That right. kind of – I, I want to see more of him. I did notice that he was in there in a lot of red zone packages, which is something that I was hoping I'd see him in, whether he was being targeted or not. But that the one block the, – there was a one block on, on the run that really stood out to me. Now, our boy Dylan Wynn, he had a, he had a block on the extra point convert, did he not, I believe? Uh, yeah, he did. He had, he had the big block on the extra point. That yeah, was, and uh, it was, that was impressive. And now there, the, Mika Johnson got the start uh, beside him. Was there any, you know, did you get any impression from them how they're going to be playing together in that middle of that defensive line? Not really. And I wasn't overly impressed with the play of the defensive line, especially with the starters in there. Like, I think, I think the entire defense, when they went up against Harris, was, was bad. I don't think that they played very well at all. Um, I, I spend a lot of time watching Mason Bennett because he's kind of, we know what Micah Johnson can do. We know what Dylan Wynn can do. Malik Carney started, but we know he's not going to be a starter if, if and when Julian Hauser is healthy. So it's like, I was like, I want to see Bennett because he's the guy, he's taking over for Gary Davis. That's a double digit sack guy. If, if we don't get that production there, is, does that mean Hauser's going to have to produce more? Does that mean that we're going to need more from the inside guys when it comes to pressuring a quarterback? But Harris just was was felt so comfortable back there that I, I I can't say really anything nice about the defensive line. 
it just seems like maybe Harris is set for a comeback here to really push Vernon Adams. Um, now, it's just only a preseason game, but I don't know why. I just have that feeling. And you know how I was on Harris last year, but I don't know. I just feel like he's going to push Vernon Adams. And oh, What was with Vernon Adams? Was Vernon Adams injured or something? He didn't play tonight, did he? Uh, no, I, but I just think this is one of those situations where we're not going to play him. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, I guess. You've seen it before with the Thai Cats where it's like the starter just doesn't play in one of the preseason games. Uh I you know what with the Harris thing, I'm 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 of a different viewpoint here. There were huh? no stakes. There were no stakes in this game. This was as low stakes of a football game as you can get and he looked like a million bucks. But we know when the pressure comes that he wilts like a flower. They showed a lot of highlights on the board of last year's East semifinal when he had like 35 fumbles. <laughs> we, we know who, we know, we know who Trevor Harris is, right? Like Trevor Harris is who he is. I'm not going to start, you know, making MOP predictions or starting predictions for him when it comes to what we saw on two series in a preseason game. I, 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 until Trevor Harris proves that he can be a consistent 18 week starter, uh, I'm he, he doesn't bother me. I didn't see anything out of the yeah, outlets today that gave me yeah. the indication that they've taken a step forward from last year. If anything, I, I'm I'm still I might be even more, you know, imbued with the feelings that they're probably the the team on the outside looking in come playoff time. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Uh, now, do we have any question? Any more questions from anybody? Yeah, if anyone wants to give us some questions, we're I mean we. This is what we do. We we can't come up with uh, we can't come up with our own bloody uh, topics. To t- and it's hard in a preseason game to have topics to talk about, right? Like there's only yeah. so much we can kind of go through, uh, especially when you didn't get to actually watch the game. So if anyone has any questions, we'll I'll be happy to answer those. Is there anything else that you can think of that you wanted to like? Was there anything that you went into this game wanting to, for lack of a better term, see that maybe you did or didn't when you were listening to the game in Edmonton? Well, you know, the play of the offensive line, I couldn't really tell. Um, I know that there was a couple sacks, like we talked about earlier. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, the uh, the punting game really let me down. But uh, um, it's hard to tell with, you know, how the linebackers played and how everyone really played. And there wasn't really a lot of numbers um, with the receivers. You know, I think our, our leading receiver didn't really – I think it was Anthony Johnson maybe. Um, so not much – to really take out of this game per se. But yeah, I thought that, you know, and I know it's a preseason game, so I, I won't go too hard on him, but I thought Steinhardt was a little bit, um, he wasn't aggressive in his play calling when it was like third and short. I and agree. I, and, but that, but you know, he wants to see, I get it. You know, you want to see the punters because that's a big question mark, but hopefully, you know, it gets better going into the season. Hopefully he's a little bit more aggressive on third and short. That's literally what I said. I don't know if it was at the game or it must have been because I think there was a third and one at around midfield. And I'm like, they're, they're kick- I don't know if they kicked the, I can't remember if they kicked the field goal or they punted. I'm going to have to dig into the stats and we're, you and I are going to do a more thorough sort of post game analysis when we, when we record the podcast this week. And I'm obviously going to have a post game piece up on three down nation, either tomorrow or Monday talking about the things from the game, but you and I like, this, we're literally an hour after the game ended. This is just the whole point of this was kind of just to get our initial like gut reactions as to what we saw. 
Um, but I, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the lack of aggression from the coaching staff on some things. Cause there were some third and one third, third and one and a half and even third and twos kind of near midfield. And some, I think a couple of them were even on Montreal side of the field where if that was a regular season game, I think I would have been pretty pissed off if they would have kicked. And I, I'm yeah. with you, but I like, yeah, they want, I think they wanted to get, cause I believe all three kickers got field goal opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously they gave, they were rotating the punters in to give all the punters a chance and they completely disappointed. So I, maybe that's sort of the thinking, cause obviously like the, at the end of the day, the score doesn't matter. Like as much as it's, Oh yay, they won. That, that, that's great. You leave the stadium feeling happy because the team you cheer for went wins at the end of the day, I would have been fine with them losing. If we would have seen like, even if, even if they wouldn't have made that last kick, it's like, okay, they didn't win, but here's what we saw. And like, if, if leader would have missed that kick, it's like, okay, well, he's kind of taken himself out of the running for, for the kicking position sort of thing. Like, cause the other two guys made their kicks. Although Speaking of the kickers, am I crazy? And and, and anyone can comment and, and please uh, tweet at us at PodskiWeWe if you disagree. I think Michael Domagala was the best kicker tonight, and I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. Well, I th- believe that he was – well, he was one for one and along a 49 in the field goal department. Uh, his, Seth kickoff, Small, his kickoffs were excellent. Yeah, were, were really good. I know they Seth Small good. was two for two. So that new guy, small that they brought in, he went for two for two with a long of 48. So um, it was a good night for the field goal kickers. Four for four. Yeah, he had a he had a kickoff, though, that I think landed at like the 30, Mm. whereas Domagalis kicks were all kind of going. I believe the two I think he had two kickoffs and they went to like almost to the 10 yard line. I don't know. if Maybe it's a season. You know, he's he's had a season's experience and he's he's a little more confident but i went into the game thinking he was going to take himself out of this kicking competition and i'm not saying he's won it but after what we saw today i would not be surprised if he if he's the team's if he's the team's kicker when the season opens in a couple of weeks yeah seth small had a kick uh, kickoff for 47 yards and dom Magala had two for 143 so a 71 Yard average on kickoffs compared to a forty-seven a, yard average from Seth Small. That's, so that's a big difference. Like that's yeah. thirty yards, twenty-five yards of field position. That's a huge difference, and that makes the difference between. Like I mean, th- we talked all well, not all off season, but once the rule changes came in, oh, the forty-yard line is now where they're going to be starting with the ball after a a made field goal, and how that extra five yards really gives the offense a, a chance to at least get into field goal position. 25 to 30 yards of field position on a kickoff is even to me more demoralizing because now you're starting, like you said, he had, a, he had one kickoff of 47 yards. Like think about that, where they kicked the ball from to where that ball would have landed. They kick it from the 30, you're 25 yards at midfield. You're only another 22 yards after that. Like now you start to see where like, that's a huge field position advantage versus a guy who had kicks averaging over 70. Now, one guy that was kind of under the radar um, coming into this game, Kyle Wilson. He had a big game uh, oh, defensively. Yeah, five defensive tackles for for Kyle Wilson. And he had a couple of really nice hits. He had I – I, I wrote it down. I, I just wrote down he had a good game. And I can't remember exactly what the reasoning for it was, but it stood out that he had – I, I, yeah, I wrote down Kyle Wilson impressive. So he, I think he had a hit or a stop on a second down that got the team off the field 
something something along those lines. Uh, so yeah, I yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because he is he's one of the guys that I kind of put it put it put in my notes here that he he was pretty good. And and to go back to something else we talked about uh, the run defense, there was a I think it was Danico Archer, no, not Danico Archer. That's the that's the name of the the Tennessee. He, that's his brother's name. He plays for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I can't remember his first name. I feel like a goof. This is what it's. We're live, pal. Is uh, yeah, we're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Autry, Autry had a nice snuff out on a screen. Lee Autry, Lee Autry, Lee Autry. Thank you very much. L- yep. Looking, looking out for your boy. Oh, speaking of screen passes, they threw like three or four screen passes in this game. I had to get your willies in. Uh, yeah, I like to see that. And uh, you know that that use that play usually works, and we we always call for uh, for more screen passes to the running back and. You know, I'm not a bigger a big fan of the the wide receiver screens, but the the running back screens seem to work pretty well for this offense. So hopefully, going in the season, we see it uh, mixed in more and more. Yeah, I jinxed. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was one to Don Jackson or one or one to West Hills, but he caught it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a big play, and he got like eight yards. And I was like, yeah. in my head, I'm like, this is going for 25, 30. Maybe he's going to score. And I'm like, oh, I just jinxed it. And my friends that I was sitting with were like. That, that's your you just jinxed it. I was like, yeah, 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 I jinxed it. I know, I know, I know. It's all right. That's my all right. Bad, we forgive bad. you. I, I'll, I'll jinx it in the preseason. I'll try to keep my mouth shut when the regular season starts, so that I don't, I don't end up being the reason that uh, a nice play like that doesn't doesn't pick up pick up as many right. yards as it should. Don't worry, our prediction show will uh, put all the jinx out there. Um, oh, that re- that reminds me. Remember, we were talking about predictions last week. And uh, I guess we can close with this and we'll, we'll let everyone get on with their night. Um, thanks everyone who has joined us for joining us. We are hopefully going to be able to find a way to download a recording of this. And if you couldn't join us, you can listen to it. Uh, we're going to try to post on the podcast feed later, but you know what I found, I was looking through some old things and I found our predictions from 2021. So would you like to go over these as kind of a closer on, on yeah. our, our first ever post game show here so you and i made some bold predictions and uh my first one was the winner of the tie cat stampeders game would go undefeated so that was obviously a giant fart noise Mm -hmm. uh i then Mm -hmm. said that cody fajardo would have a like would fall back down to earth i i don't think i was necessarily right on that one but i'm not sure if i was entirely wrong either like he obviously wasn't an mop caliber player last season but he definitely he definitely wasn't like bottom third of the league. Um, no. th- then you said that James Wilder would have a big year over 1,200 yards rushing. I don't believe that happened. Uh, you no. said Braylon Addison and Brandon Banks would finish one, two in receiving yards. That no. obviously didn't happen. No. But you did nail one, my friend. You said that Nick Arbuckle would struggle in 2021. And considering he was traded, he was benched and then traded. I think I can count that one as a hit. What about you? You think you think that counts? I, I'd say yeah, I'll take that. I'd take a win anytime I can get one, Josh. So I'll take okay. that. Okay. So speaking of wins, we obviously predicted the standings, and we did not. I don't. I'm not sure if we got any of these. I don't think any of these were right in where we had teams finishing. Uh, so in the East, we had the same picks. We had Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. It finished Toronto, Hamilton, Montreal. Also, oh, we had Ottawa. Right there, we go. But I mean, that was a gimme. Ottawa finishing in last last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you could you could ask someone who has no idea about football, given those three names, they probably would have picked Ottawa to finish last. Uh, yeah. In the West, I had Calgary, BC, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. 
that didn't come close to being. I don't think any of those teams finished in those spots. So that was a complete whiff on my part. And you had Edmonton, BC, Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan. So you and I both had the Riders finishing out of the playoffs and they made the West final. So yeah, not great. Not great at all. Uh, I had a great cup matchup of Calgary and Hamilton. You had a great cup matchup of Edmonton and Hamilton. So, I mean, we got the Ticats right in our great cup predictions, but I mean, that was, let's be honest. That was a gimme. We were coming off the 15 and three season in 2019 we had no reason to believe this team would fall back down to earth. I foolishly predicted them to go 14 and 0. So it's no surprise we had them there, but we both, we took each Alberta team to get there and Edmonton didn't make the playoffs and had the worst record in the league. And Calgary was bounced in the first round. So we, I guess I believe too much in Bo Levi Mitchell and you believe too much in Trevor Harris. And that plays out in our awards predictions. Cause you had Trevor Harris winning MOP. So oh. you didn't even finish the year in Edmonton. So that was a pretty bad pick from you. Uh, but that was I had, terrible. Terrible. I, I, Jeremiah Mazzoli's MOP, that obviously didn't come close, but that was all predicate. I said, if it's high guts going defeated and Mazzoli plays all year, he's going to win MOP walking away. Uh, we both had Simone as most outstanding defensive player. He ended up winning the East award. So that's not too, too bad. Um, I had Kwaku Botan. You had Cam Judge as most outstanding Canadian. Neither of those guys won, obviously. I had Revenberg, you had Riker Matthews as most outstanding lineman. That didn't come out either. And we both had Chris Rainey as most outstanding special teams player. That obviously, as well, did not pan out. Yeah. So, not a, a bunch great, of duds. A bunch of duds, man. Wow. I, I would like some of the other – everyone at this time of year makes predictions. I would like to – if someone had their predictions from mine. I mean, I'm not expecting to have them written down, but – Man, oh man, we uh, we should really stop doing the predictions. The weird thing was, is I did make a lot of money gambling on CFL games last year. Like, not a lot of money, but if I, I won more than I lost, so I, I right. came out on top. But yet, when it came to predicting things at the start of the season, yeah, complete completely crapped the bed. Absolutely, yeah, it, it's going in blind with predictions in the CFL, especially last year. It was such a a wacky season for for so many reasons. Um, you know, I was high on Edmonton and they just, I mean, I pretty much watched every game live in, in Edmonton and it was, it was some bad football. So hopefully this season we, uh, we nail our predictions, uh, with a little (laughs) bit more accuracy. What do you think was the worst one out of here? Was it me picking Winnipeg to finish fourth or us picking Saskatchewan to finish fifth? You picking Trevor Harris's MOP? Uh, me saying the Ticats, like obviously the Ticats going undefeated one is that that's the big like you're a goof, but out of the yeah. other ones, like I gotta think. Well, me picking Edmonton, Edmonton to go first, first is for me. Yeah, yeah I think that's the biggest one on my part because they were the worst team in the league, and I had them in the Grey Cup too. So that was bad, really cup. bad. Yeah, you had them really in the Grey Cup with an MOP quarterback. Uh, yeah. Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about from tonight's game? Well, I think that's it, buddy. I think that's All it. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, should we, I mean, I think we'll try this again next week after the yep. Argos game. I don't think it'll be as, probably won't be as long. We probably won't have as much to talk about because again, we'll be listening to the game on the Ticats audio network. Uh, I, I hope, I hope that they're able to broadcast the game from all. If not, then we're really screwed because we're going to have to listen to like mm-hmm. the Argos broadcast. Yeah. And I'm not right. sure if I can stomach three hours of listening to as good as Mike Hogan is as a play by play guy. I don't think I can stomach the homerism that'll come with that. So I'm ho- I, I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but if I don't have to, I won't. So hopefully I think we'll I be all right. Yeah. Okay? They'll be doing it. I okay. think we'll be okay. I think they'll be doing it. 
All right, fingers crossed. So we'll we'll, we'll do this again next week. Uh, if you have any feedback, please hit us up on Twitter. You know the account at Podskiwee. You can hit me up at Josh Smith underscore eighty two. Tell us what you liked about this, what you didn't like. A lot of rambling incoherence. I said to you this afternoon when we were talking about this, I texted you and I said, I think this is going to be an absolute disaster. It wasn't even close to a disaster. I mean, aside from some of the okay. words and me cussing in the first 30 seconds of the show, you know, I, think we, I think we did an okay for our first I was first so, I was pretty frightened, you know, because I had to invite you and I've never done one of these things. I was like, <laughs> am I going to mess this up? Like, this is oh. going to be terrible. It's going to be all my fault. So I'm glad we just got through it, Josh. Yeah, you know what? We're, we're, the, we're stronger for it. I mean, I, I had my headphones attached to my computer, and then they were attached to the phone, and my mic didn't work. It was a mess to start, but now we know what we're doing, so hopefully it will be a lot smoother next week. And uh, if it keeps going well and you guys keep tuning in and listening, we'll see if we can keep it going through the, uh, through the regular season as well. Because, uh, again, these are our instant thoughts. These are, like, right after the game's over. I the sort sort of our raw opinion uh, next week when we record our show, which I'm I'm assuming we're probably going to do on Thursday. We'll we'll have more nuance in our maybe we'll have seen some highlights by then. Maybe someone will have actually put together a highlight package and we can see some plays as opposed to just you visualizing them and me trying to remember what I saw from from memory. Uh, but the seat regular season starts soon. And we know all those games will be televised uh, whether they're in Hamilton or not. So. If, if, this, if it works, if you guys have liked this, we're going to try to keep it going. Uh, so for our first live show, I think we did uh, we did okay. Yeah, not too bad. So this is uh, for the first edition of Pod Ski Wee Wee Post Game Show. I'm Mike Graham. I'm Josh Smith. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. <laughs>